We've recorded this one in advance. I don't know when we're using it, so some things may be outdated. If there was a nuclear war, if one of the hosts is dead, we apologize to you. This is recorded in, what day is today? November 22nd? Yeah, November 22nd. So if anything major happened and we're being insensitive and you know, how can you guys be joking about waffle makers and storing lead or whatever it is, we don't care. We didn't know at the time. We're so sorry, uh, but we're not sorry. <laughs> so uh, I guess you would have heard part one already. And if you didn't, go and listen to part one of this episode, Prepper, Prepper Gang. Otherwise, this shit just won't make any sense. This is Market Liberation Front. Burton Bourne, Henry Hazlitt joined, although they're not aware, of two of our favorite people in the personal finance slash prepper slash honey acquiring space. Steve Harris and Joshua Sheets. There's a link to the original yes. show. That this audio comes from Joshua Sheets' Radical Personal Finance podcast, where he interviews Steve Harris. If you want to know more about Steve, you should have listened to last week's episode. Just go back and listen to that now, so you can kind of know who the fuck we're talking about. Uh, but there's some more audio we have here, right, of the of our boys discussing oh, yeah. different investments. So you want we, to just dive we right got in? lots of clips. Yeah, yeah let's just right. dive right in. So I believe we left off last time with uh, everything that they had to say about lead as an investment vehicle and not like, again, I think we said this last time, but they're not recommending that you buy lead futures or derivatives of lead futures or any, they they mean buy literal bars of lead. Million and pounds, 20 semi-trucks, leave it in a field. Exactly, like that. <laughs> and... He's not necessarily recommending that you do that. He's just saying, I'm trying to open your mind to the possibility that this is something that you might do. Even though, to me, like, that's... I don't see for whom that makes sense. Like, like uh, yeah. I mean, that versus, like, some other kind of investment. But, you know, it's well, a thing you can do. You know what? I... I recently was suckered into paying the tax on stupid people. I bought a lottery ticket the other day. And... Oh. I, I it was two fifty two euros fifty cents and I will say this absolutely it was a waste of money I didn't even win you know I didn't have like the one in one thousand chance of winning a free ticket or whatever I just completely lost but I look at it as I paid two fifty to inspire myself to sit and fantasize about having fifty million euros and that was kind of fun and I'll tell you if I won the lottery <laughs> I would make a weird commodity bet like that I would just I would just buy you know, a million pounds of copper and a farm and just leave it there in the middle of Slovakia or some shit. I don't know. No, it can't be <laughs> copper. It has to be lead. Yeah, because <laughs> copper's not dense enough, right? Because <laughs> copper, no, copper corrodes. Oh, really? Okay. Well, sorry. If you'd listen to Steve, you would know. <laughs> yeah. Leave lead near the shit that you're going to eat, not copper. You idiot. Leave lead near the crops that you were trying to grow. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would make one of these bizarre. Maybe and that's maybe that's it. Maybe Steve actually is fucking rich, and he's sold you know millions of his <laughs> videos or whatever. He's just got like thirty million dollars. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe like all. the only reason one would make one of these investments is if they were so rich that like they didn't even fucking care, and that's <laughs> who Steve is, and we just don't yeah. know. Yeah, his dad was. It turns out his dad used to own U.S. Steel, or his father was some rich industrialist. So it's it's sort of the curse of his life is he's super rich, but it's all tied up in hard commodities. 
it's like a very it's almost like novelistic it reminds me of remember paul, remember trump's campaign manager paul manafort who yeah uh, he he was getting paid you know he made like 20 million dollars in all of this foreign uh 40 million dollars or whatever and the reason and like shady to, like shady things that no one really knows yeah, what he was doing right yeah and here's the thing here's the thing it wasn't illegal to do that if you want to advise a dictator or whatever you register as a foreign agent and it's fine right you're allowed to do that i've met like i've met dictators before uh, in my line of work i've sat down across the table from them and there's always some guy with a really nice apartment in dc sitting in the corner you know wearing uh, a suit you know and that uh-huh. that's perfectly legal it's slimy but it's perfectly legal um, but, but, uh, Manafort's mistake was that he wanted to keep all the fucking money and not pay taxes. So he had to <laughs> launder it. So he was just wasting his money on shit like, you know, alligator, alligator skin, leather jackets, and, you know, carpets made out of fucking rhinoceros or some shit like that. <laughs> and, and so it's like, it's such a, it, it, that's another real novelistic dilemma where it's like, you can have $20 million, but you're only allowed to spend it in Ukraine. and you look at and then you you go through the case file and you look at all the shit he bought with it and you're like oh i guess that's how you spend 20 million dollars in ukraine it's like lack of creativity (laughs) but i guess it's like whatever's available it's like oh i guess in ukraine you can get like uh endangered animal parts (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. and i don't know i don't even know if you do that in ukraine i mean ukraine is actually a pretty cool country i I don't want to knock it too much i think it has a it has a bad reputation sort of like that but I will say, having spent a decent amount of time there, know a lot of Ukrainians. It's not entirely undeserved. <laughs> it's, uh, but in, in any event, all right. So, um, yeah, given that, given that Steve, I mean, maybe is is the son of a rich industrialist. He also has a lot to say about petroleum products. So I was hoping to to play some clips about his his interest in fuels. Here's the first one. I got kerosene I got in the uh, 1990s. I got it for $1.35 <laughs> a gallon from the gas station, the and 90s. I stored it because I went. My, I decided kerosene in the 1990s was going to be my mono fuel. I wanted one fuel that would do the most. <laughs> kerosene, that shit is from the 90s, man. He's I, had it, it since then. Yeah, I mean, don't kerosene per gallon. I mean, how much did he say he paid? <laughs> Like one eighty five. Okay, well it's three fifty nine now. Actually, let's let's... so like the next thing he says after this is that the price of fuel basically tracks inflation. Like yeah, you, I'm, I'm, I'm plugging that in right now. I'm no very benefit. curious. So this was the 90s. yeah. He actually he makes Josh he makes Josh like plug in old fuel prices into an inflation calculator and like together they discover that like basically adjusted for inflation, oil has like not changed in price at all. Right. Well, kerosene, he actually, from my rough estimate, I just put 95 because he said 90s. Uh, Kerosene is actually up way past inflation. It's it's almost tripled, whereas inflation has only doubled or has less than doubled since since that 25-year period. Call his kerosene guy. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, okay, so but how much – because he – look, I remember – that's like the classic suburban setup where you have the barbecue that clearly hasn't been touched in nine months and you look uh-huh. at that tank and it's just completely covered in dirt and you're afraid to turn it on because it might explode because it's been exposed <laughs> to the yeah. elements. So how, and I, I'm sure he's a pro storage professional and he probably, you know, every Saturday goes and wipes down the tanks, Hank Hill style. But how, how much 
kerosene do you think he bought in the 90s that he still has it? Because he's the kind of guy who uses his kerosene. <laughs> right? Dude, I, I don't know. I Probably a lot. I mean, probably has some... If he has the space to be storing, like, giant lead ingots, he probably has the space to be storing a lot of kerosene. Yeah, and he also says... It's my monofuel for all the different things I have to use. So he's clearly using his kerosene for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I don't know. We, that's true. We also should have included the clip about how he was installing DirecTV for people. Oh, yeah. Job. I that forgot about cool. that part. <laughs> yeah, where he's, like, he's like, I got laid off and uh, I learned that uh, I could actually no, no, make no, a lot no. of money he, installing he, DirecTVs. No, he, he didn't get laid off. He quit and he blamed the Germans for quitting. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. He's like, he's like fucking, That's right. He's like, the fucking Germans bought my company. And the, he's like, they dur ruined everything or something like that. It's like, oh my God, Steve. <laughs> the Germans are the people who are the last people who get a claim you're being racist against me, given their history. But come on, man. <laughs> you're, you're, you're giving them too much. <laughs> oh my but, okay, propane is like kerosene. But he's he, not only does. Okay, what is this about him not liking propane? No, no. So there's one where he has a friend who has a problem with the fuel company and uh, has a creative solution. And he's got he had trouble with the propane company, and he said, "Screw it." He went out and he bought four one thousand gallon tanks. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know about you, but if you've I, when I have a problem like with the cable company or something, my solution is not like I'm going to start my own cable company. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I just love this. Look, there's this is there are two kinds of boomer dads. There's a boomer dad who likes World War II history, and that ranges from watching the History Channel with his you know millennial son every weekend to having a library of two thousand books and like going on vacation to all the battlefields or whatever in Europe, right? And then the second kind, if you're not interested in World War II, you're the kind of dad who, let's say. There's something wrong with your house. So you go to Home Depot and you buy an $85 tool to fix that one thing that's wrong with your house that you'll never have to fix again. <laughs> right. And clearly Steve does not give a shit about World War II. Right? <laughs> he's, he's like, whatever. Oh, he would quibble with that, though, because he's all about buying tools on the Internet from like Facebook and Craigslist. Yeah, that's that's true. But I mean, if you have a barrel guy. I mean, how much are you paying? Like, how much are you paying for your barrels to store your your sugar in? It's probably more than the sugar. He's not. He's got the barrel guy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, but now there is a little bit of trouble in paradise because you could tell, like you said in the last episode, Josh is the beta for once in his life here. Well, he's right. he perceives himself to be. He, I'm sure he always perceives himself to be the alpha, but. Uh, which is why he like only lives with the only people he interacts with are his wife and children, and he doesn't let them interact with anyone. Um, but they 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 start to I mean this is two and a half hours they start to get a little mad at each other. Yeah, well, Josh starts to get really kind of sick of how Steve is dominating the conversation. So at one point he decides to give him a little troll. We, we we could bring in some peak oil conversation, and I bet Steve would have some quite um, salacious words to say, considering what you're saying right now on that topic. There is no such thing as peak oil. Peak oil is bullshit <laughs> made up by people who triggered want to you, motivate Steve. you. But... Did you catch that at the end? <laughs> you said triggered you, Steve? 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Peak oil turned out to be wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he makes actually a really coherent point about, like, why warnings about, like, running out of this or that commodity are stupid uh, after that. But <laughs> I just love that Josh, Josh, like, saw this opportunity to, like, piss him off and just totally <laughs> took it. Yeah, yeah, and he's kind of, like, laughing to himself, but... There's one other, they have one other kind of dust up, right? When Josh yeah. loses his patience, yeah. Uh, the power can go out to your house for... Oh, I'm sorry. I got one more for you, Josh. We we got to cover this one more item. I forgot. You All just right. triggered me onto it. Hang on, hang Bullets. on. Bullets. All right, well, we'll get to that in a minute because that was on my, that was going to be on my list because that was going to be a shortage I was going to talk about. So hang on. Let me finish my my uh, my commentary okay. and then we'll go to, to, to things like that. Oh, man, he's so... A, he's seething. <laughs> He sound like he's like a, he's like your dad who's like now hold on hold on son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a there's this great radio host in L.A. Um, Tim Conway Jr. You probably know him. And uh, now that I've said that, people are going to listen to his show. And they're going to be they're going to say, "Holy fuck, these guys stole everything from Tim Conway Jr." And that's fine; he gets all the credit. But one thing he loves to do is he he he'll replay audio that he's already played, and then he'll drop sound into it. So, uh, for example, it'll, it'll, he'll play audio of someone giving a boring speech and then he'll, it, he'll add the noise of like something heavy hitting the ground and it sounds like a body hitting the ground. Like people are falling asleep because they're so bored. Um, and if we were more technically proficient, I would add the sound of someone's uh, teeth grinding against themselves and just in anger and frustration. <laughs> but I'm too lazy, yeah. so I'm just going to tell you the joke that I would make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is like after an hour and a half of like of like josh maybe having like 10 percent of the airtime and steve having the yeah. other 90 yeah run it back run it back i want to hear it again it's so funny uh the power can go out to your house for oh i'm sorry i got one more for you josh we we got to cover this one more item i forgot you all just right. triggered me onto it hang on hang Bullets. on all right well, well we'll get to that in a minute that, that, was on my, that was gonna be on my list because that was gonna list. be a shortage i was gonna talk about so, so hang on let me finish it. my my uh, my commentary, and right. then we'll go to, to, to things like that. I don't know. What do you think about? Do you think they're they're still friends after this? Oh yeah, because at the end but, he but, like Josh goes on but, this. But, <laughs> Josh goes on this. But, <laughs> sorry, he goes on this rant anyway. about no, how can I, can I, he can like. I say something? Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I swear I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> he goes on this rant about how he's he's bought everything that Steve has ever produced. And he's over the course of like Steve's career, he's paid him like $500 to buy all of his videos and books and shit. Okay, so maybe Steve uh, isn't that uh, wealthy. No, uh, wait. <laughs> Maybe Steve is uh, investing in sugar because he can't afford to fill up his Roth IRA every year. Maybe that's what's. Uh, but I don't want to. No, I'm not gonna. No, I, I'm. I would never make fun of someone who can't afford to do that because that was me for much of my twenties. Um, but, <laughs> but I also wasn't. I wasn't uh, investing heavily in kerosene when I was younger. In the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> buy a thousand gallon drum. That's also just a, as a practical matter. What the fuck? Like, what if, you know, what if there's a fire? <laughs> Do you really want a thousand gallons of 
propane next to your house. <laughs> There's like a wild kind of, Yeah, it's funny. You know, I none of this crossed my mind, but you're right. Like the safety aspect of having all this shit is is considerable. Of like having four 1,000 gallon propane tanks or like a million pounds of lead sitting in a field. Like you'd probably yeah. go to jail for this shit. <laughs> like if the government found out. Yeah, that's why these guys are all such libertarian freaks. <laughs> I, I sort of lean libertarian on a lot of economic things, but not shit like you're like, I think there should be rules about whether you could store lead in the middle of a field, you know, <laughs> right. get into the, a million pounds of lead. I feel like that would affect the groundwater or something. That's an environmental yeah, I, regulation <laughs> I'm fine with. That's so funny. Like, they are, are you familiar with the term Superfund site? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like they're creating their own supercomputer. Like extremely polluted areas that like are going to take decades to clean up. The EPA has a has a fucking Steve Harris file. (laughs) (laughs) Just there's a division of the EPA. We should probably report this to them. (laughs) Oh my god, God. (laughs) it's so funny. All right. Now, okay. Okay. The the other great thing about this guy is like now I of course did not serve. You know I'm positive that this guy is not an athlete, but he's but he's like he's sort of like you got a Sebastian Gorka thing where he's like, but I have I've lectured to tier one operators, Green Berets, uh-huh. British SAS, French Foreign Legion, it's just every elite military unit. He's like they want my expertise and I gave it to them. And I really wonder if you're if you're some fucking ripped battle-hardened veteran of Iraq or Afghanistan or, you know, whatever covert operations are happening in Syria and Somalia. You know, you've killed, I don't know, 20 guys, right? You've, you know, you 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 went through ranger school or seal bud school, and this fat guy shows up and he's like, all right, I'm going to teach you how to tie a tourniquet. You know? or, or he's just, like, discussing with them different ways. But apparently, he, the way he makes it sound is like they're in awe of him and they totally respect him and love his ideas. And that they, right, well, I, they let him shoot a machine gun one time. Yeah, no, so it, it's a little bit reversed. So, like, part of part of his interaction with the military is, like, he gets to take a lot of the training that they take, so he has more context for what their, like, lives are like. His, his role as a consultant, I think, is limited to, like, survival tactics, and he talks right. a lot about batteries also. Like, he really yeah, knows a lot about batteries and, like, consults with them about batteries a lot. Okay, that makes sense. So I, I just the, the, his description of one of the courses that he took for his training is is classic. And it's sometimes it's called the goat lab. Sometimes they're pigs. Sometimes they're different things. But uh, they're given in, in certain places around the world, and you learn a lot very quickly. You, I mean, I have stopped three pumping arteries from a six inch long, four inch deep wound into the flesh of an animal. I have stopped the bleeding within twenty seconds. <laughs> It's like he, he meets someone on OK Cupid and eight messages into the conversation. <laughs> yeah, replay that last. Can you replay like the final five seconds? Stop three pumping arteries from a six inch long, four inch deep wound into the flesh of an animal. I have stopped the bleeding within 20 seconds. <laughs> okay, there's this episode. There's this episode of you. The Office that's like literally this exact joke where they're all out at like a, a hibachi place, like they're sitting around uh, the grill, and and Dwight is 
Dwight is like some for some reason has to sit with like this like really far away from everybody else. Oh yeah, and yeah, Jim yeah, yeah. Is, I remember this. Is sitting next to this like this like kind of hot woman, and he yells to Dwight. He's like, Dwight, she's trying to remember how you butcher a turkey. And then he, st- <laughs> he starts like yelling across the restaurant. He's like, first you flip it upside down and cut the throat. It's like, <laughs> this guy is Dwight. Yeah. There you go. I think that's it. That's it. Uh, except he, you know, he did a little better than working at a paper company in terms of, because that's like the best joke about Dwight is he's this master of everything, but he works at a paper company, right? Uh-huh. Or at least, at least right. this guy like got to work in his field. You know, he was a battery engineer or whatever. <laughs> now, now, this clip is, I, fr- I remember what it was and I remember it being really stupid, but I don't re- remember what happened. But the clip is called Attempted Involuntary Manslaughter. <laughs> someone's trying to protect their family with preparedness food water energy medical everything else and someone else is trying to talk about talk them out of it i am rapidly aggressive against that idiot trying to talk them out of it in fact i personally consider it attempted involuntary manslaughter (laughs) shit man how many how many counts of attempted involuntary manslaughter would we be brought up on <laughs> after these? I just, these I just love the like the oxymoron of attempted involuntary manslaughter. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if it's involuntary, how can you do it on purpose? <laughs> how can you? How can you be trying to do something involuntarily? <laughs> if you try to talk someone out of paying for their kids college instead of buying 900 pounds of cornmeal frankly you're involuntarily attempting to murder them but let's be realistic it's not murder i'm sorry let's be more reasonable it's manslaughter it's it's not first degree murder i mean maybe third but holy shit Okay. Right. Yeah, well, a lot of these are just like kind of out of context. Like they don't really cuz the problem is like he doesn't he doesn't really speak in like a linear coherent way. Like he just talks about random topics. So yeah, a lot yeah, of the yeah. clips are just these like one-off things that are really funny but kind of don't don't string together. Oh, yeah, here ask me a question. You're Josh and I'm Steve. All right, ask me a question. Well, this is if you oh, the link is in the show notes if you want to subject yourself to it. But if not, here's what it sounds like in context. So, uh, Henry, should I use a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA? Goat herding. Look, I'll get, I, <laughs> we could talk about that later, but goat herding is something I really want to get to right now. Um, <laughs> it's when I, in the 90s, when I left DirecTV, I was spending a lot of time sort of setting up my deposits, my caches of various weapons, uh, food stores. You can, apples can last for 10 years at the right temperature. And, and I, I needed to, sort of trim the grass around this area and I realized look I could buy I, I have a goat guy and I, I would go to my goat guy and he could sell me uh, just what do, what do you call a little goat <laughs> kid yeah, he'd sell me 12 kids uh, for five dollars they eat your grass he's trying to get rid of them he's trying yeah. to get rid of them so yeah, he got he's a basically great deal. basically for free um, and uh, and then you slaughter them you eat some yourself you provide others to your neighbor to create goodwill for when the the fall happens. And uh, you take the furs, sell them on eBay. It's a 300% return on investment above inflation. And so you, when you ask me about Roth IRAs, I'm sorry. I, I don't have time for that. It's, 
<laughs> show me show me someone who had a 300% return in a Roth and uh, I'll wait. And the, the entire episode is two and a half hours of this. Yeah, and, and like, so Henry went on for, like, kind of a long time there, but it's, like, it's, like, half an hour. Like, Josh doesn't say anything. Like... <laughs> Because <laughs> he'll he'll start talking about the type of knife and where to find a good knife guy to to right. kill your goat with, you know. And then he'll get into how to make the skins, right? The the origins right. of the goat skin market. Remember, he talks about the origin of uh, salt as currency. Yeah, like he goes into the history of like the value of salt in antiquity and like how it was transported by camel across the desert, like all this just insane levels of detail. Amazing. Uh, so th- I guess the other ones we should just give a thumbs up, thumbs down on, as we like we were doing okay. yesterday, because it looks like most of these are uh, things that we we could advise or not advise to get involved in. All right. No, the first one's number twelve. All right. But if you live in a two bedroom a condo, okay, hey. and you have no space and you hey, have nothing like else you can do, and you need to park some of your money for inflationary purposes, you can put a quarter million dollars worth of gold into a safety deposit box. <laughs> See, this advice works for everybody. Don't complain about how you don't have space. <laughs> Get a safety deposit box. I mean, I mean, how much is a quarter of a million dollars worth of gold? Uh, let's see. What's that like? A hundred ounces? Because what's gold? Probably price? like gold it's probably like a suitcase full. One uh, one ounce of gold is eighteen hundred dollars. So that's at a certain point in the episode, Josh talks about how like you could have like like three quarters of a million dollars worth of gold fits in a backpack or something. Yeah, and he's talking about how like that is both a good thing if it you want your money to be portable but also a bad thing because like someone could steal it from you yeah remember when but when again I, like why you're traipsing around the world with a backpack full of a quarter million dollars worth of gold is beyond me yeah remember when wayne was describing walking around with a backpack with eight hundred thousand dollars in it <laughs> yeah yeah it's like <laughs> he, he has like a, a concealed carry permit he said he's just shitting himself the entire time it's just a constant stream of shit just because he's so terrified <laughs> Amazing. So, thumbs up uh, or thumbs down on the safety deposit box of gold? Thumbs down. Uh, thumbs. At least a thumbs down to a quarter million. Maybe if you want to put like 20,000, okay, sure, I guess. But even then, I guess that gold, that's definitely not uh, end of the world gold, right? Well, I guess you don't need end of the world gold. We learned last Don't need it. Yeah. That's right. So, anyway. <laughs> okay, here's the next one. My experience, guns around the world are not that difficult to find, even in even in places and in countries where they are not legal. And he, okay. you cut, we, we cut off one part of it, but he goes on to say, I think he says, anywhere I go in the world, within a week, I can get access to a gun. Yeah, so this part, I thought, like, kind of kind of revealed a dark side to Josh. Like, yeah, hold on. Former insurance like, the- agent turned podcast host turned evangelist who is getting <laughs> illegal guns <laughs> like where like why in the world is that something that he knows how to do like what the fuck <laughs> like is he a secret i feel like he's like a gangster or something yeah I, I mean well remember he speaks spanish so i could totally imagine him going to the market uh in i think he was hola like, amigo <laughs> yeah yeah no totally and just rolling up and just being like all right let's find the darkest person inside this supermarket 
Okay, comes up. Hola, senor. Yo soy Joshua. Estoy buscando una arma. ¿Me entiendes? <laughs> ¿Qué, ¿Qué piensas, amigo? ¿Tienes una arma para mí? Yo tengo dinero. And just the guy like responding in English, dude, I'm not going to sell you a fucking gun. Whoa, whoa fuck off. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, okay, no problem. And he just does this for a week until finally someone, someone's like, oh, you mean you'll just give me money and I could just disappear? Okay, sure. Yeah, give it to me. <laughs> I don't know, man. I would never. Uh, I'm a, I'm for a me, big... thumbs down on like like randomly trying to buy illegal guns in foreign countries. Yeah, I'm all about uh, gun ownership. I think it, I think it's. Uh, I intend when I live in a country where I can own a gun, I'll buy one. You and I have gone shooting before, you know. Uh, Henry, where are you, where you are can you own on... a gun in any country. <laughs> yeah, where are you on guns? Oh, it's complicated. I don't know. I think that like, I think. In the United States, at least, semi-automatic weapons should be illegal. I know that's not realistic, but I think that would be the best thing for everybody. Yeah, then, uh, oh yeah, well, let's not turn this into a gunfight, but you do, do, you th- no. do you think that people in the U.S. should be able to own some form of guns? Yes. All right, okay, so it's just a, yeah, it's just a, a degree to, yeah, because I don't think people should be able to own fully automatic machine guns, whereas I think right. Joshua would say the market will solve that problem. <laughs> we're, will we're, it? we definitely lean very heavily toward the market will solve that problem more than most people i think and i think but i'm, I'm not that far <laughs> i'm not that far along yet yeah um, oh man i don't feel like we would have like rule of law if any old person could own huge machine guns yeah that would it's be a bit of a problem how... but uh, speaking you know. of speaking of guns and ammo, <laughs> yeah, and this is one actually. I, I have a. I'm going to give a thumbs up to preemptively. I think it's a great idea. Here you go. He literally had like 30 million rounds of 22 and 223 and nine millimeter, uh, all in multiple one or two semi trailers. Again with the semi trailer, I <laughs> and again with like the things that are extraordinarily dangerous, like an, a semi trailer full of fucking ammunition on your property. <laughs> yeah, yeah, holy shit! It's, it's like, um, oh my, and that's thirty. Did you say thirty million? Yes, that's that. That's like that has to be more than one semi trailer. I mean, I remember. Yeah, you said. <clears throat> He said one he or like two. like in one or two semi-trailers. It has to be more than that. That's crazy. I, I saw, I've told the story on the podcast before, but I think in the 90s when it was cheap, my dad bought a thousand rounds of 223 or 556 or whatever the, the standard, you know, US like AR-15 round is. And that definitely super outpaced inflation, you know, and uh, I think he ended up selling it at some point and he did, he got a pretty decent return. So look. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the guy he's describing is like some kind of, he like works in the ammo industry or something. And he saw that like, there was an opportunity because of the, the, like the way that whoever's president affects the price of guns and ammo. So like if it's a Democrat demand is really high, so prices are high. And if it's a Republican, then the reverse. So it's yeah, like, you or, just buy when a Republican's in office and you sell when a Democrat's in office. Yeah. But I mean, the prices went, went through the roof under Trump because of the pandemic. Ah, uh, yes. You know, it used to be, I remember, I swear it was like 10 cents for a bullet of nine millimeter. Now it's a buck per bullet. It's insane. Yeah, that's yeah, I crazy. Remember, I remember being, you know, 13 years old and we just went out to the desert and shot hundreds, hundreds and thousands of rounds, a group of like 10 of us, you know, and we probably spent 40, 50 bucks each. Now it's like you spend 40 or 50 bucks and you just shoot 30, 40 rounds and then it's like, okay, cool. We'll go home now. <laughs> yeah. 
It's uh, you and I did that. You know, I remember that. That was a good time. We still, I still, I still see those videos on my iPhone sometimes. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a thumbs up on this. I think that look, thirty million. No, obviously it's fucking ridiculous. But for example, a lot of people, it's not that hard to make your own ammunition, and you can save a decent amount of money. Uh, and if you oh, have, I knew skills, a guy who would do this. Yeah, it's and if you're if you're a shooting enthusiast, it's not a bad thing to do. I'm I'm all in favor of making your own ammo. And you can All take right, some I'm of your thumbs million... down because I do not want like an enormous stockpile of explosive ammunition where I live. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, I think that's still safer than lead or something. I mean, it is a bunch of lead. <laughs> Probably, it's funny. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't. Th- I think the odds of that. I, I'm less worried about that than I am about a thousand gallons of propane attached to my house. But thirty million. I yeah, agree. I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, but uh, okay. what about <laughs> the sweet, sweet taste of honey? Here you go. <laughs> the- and for somebody, it makes sense that for the first time in your life, you buy a five-gallon bucket of honey, oh, and you'll never sell it, right? Never. What you'll do is over the next three or four or five years, you'll use it. You'll put it in your bread. You'll. you'll... <laughs> your first get- bucket of honey, guys. It just starts with a single step. It's not hard. How much is Just yeah, take the first step? Buy he, a bucket. Didn't he say that he gets what it from his bee, He has a beekeeper friend who sells it to him. <laughs> Josh or Steve? Josh. Yeah, I think so. That sounds right. <laughs> I use about. Uh, I probably use two pounds of honey a year because I like to cook with In it. In your life? <laughs> no, per year. Uh, one gallon is twelve pounds. So he's saying buy sixty pounds of honey. So he's telling me to buy a 30-year supply of honey. But I guess if you've got a family, maybe you're using more. But I don't know, man. I think honey, it's it's also, it's not that good for you, right? It's just fucking sugar. It's pure sugar. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's better than uh, drinking a Coke, but not by much. I, I, I use honey. I mix it into uh, Chinese food sometimes, like when I'm cooking Chinese food. Or I like to put it on top of chicken in the oven toward the end just to get a little honey glaze but i don't use that much i don't know but i guess i don't know if you're a beekeeper it would be cool buy your well if you have a beekeeper you're gonna have it you don't need to buy it you can sell it to weirdos like joshua yeah well josh actually i think he said in one of his many suggestions for business ideas uh, <laughs> one of them was uh beekeeping as a hobby. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's a thing you can do with your life if you're into it. <laughs> now, this is okay. the cla- I I love I love your titles for these clips by the way. Hide assets Thank and you. honey. <laughs> I'm just imagining him putting his money in a gigantic trash bag inside of a 50-gallon honey drum. And he's got $50,000 inside no, of his honey. It's better. No, it's better than that. It's better. Listen. Do you really think mm-hmm. that the bankruptcy judge is going to come out to his house and say, hey, buddy, listen, I see those five things of stainless steel steel over there. Those are $600. They were worth $600. Those need to be on your statement. And oh, over here, I see you've mm-hmm. got two buckets of honey, and that's worth $400, and that's got to be written down. And I see over here that you bought a chest of tools, of machinist's tools, uh, on Craigslist when some guy just had to move, or you know, mechanics tools, he had to move. And so you stocked up on these tools, and by the way, those got to be there. Like That just not the world we live in there's a lot of things i really like about this clip one of them is that is that he's basically saying like 
so like I didn't know that Joshua was so into like doing shit that's illegal, like illegal guns or like hiding your assets from the bankruptcy court. Like he's basically advising you to do that. Um, so there's a different point where he like considers the possibility of melting down nickels, and Steve is like, "Uh, Josh, that's illegal. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that." <laughs> yeah, that's the best. So, I, I didn't even understand his explanation. Do you understand how how that works? I guess it's just the value of the nickel exceeds. It's what it's it's a nickel is worth more than five cents. So it's a store. Of- yeah, it's like it's like the metal in the coin is worth more than the value of the coin. So it's like let's say you have a nickel. Obviously, its value is five cents. But let's say the metal it's made out of is worth six cents. Then, like, if you melted down the nickel, it would be worth more. But the problem is it's illegal to destroy money in the United States. And it always has been. So it's like if your strategy (laughs) – if your strategy is based on, like, hoping that that rule changes, then uh, you will not have had it pay off for you yet. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, that's fucking insane. <laughs> and I, yeah, it's like, if, if Steve is like, I don't know, Josh. <laughs> this yeah, seems that's, impractical. That's what he said. <laughs> this strikes me as a bit much. Maybe you should rethink what you're doing here, buddy. Um, and I, I will say, the one thing I do respect about um, uh, Josh, I respect and fear it, uh, I fear for his family, <laughs> is that he really is a family man. He likes to talk about how, like, he, one thing he's into is different kinds of diets like the warrior diet where you just eat once a day, you know? Oh, my God. And he said he really liked it, but his problem was he likes to spend time and eat breakfast with his family every morning. And that, that's why he couldn't just have one meal a day. And I was like, oh, that's kind of sweet. You know, it's, he's a family man. And he, I think he has three or four kids. And he, he's very serious about raising them properly. And he's very thoughtful. During breakfast, apparently, he reads them a passage every morning, and he forces them to discuss it with him. And he has all this shit about why homeschooling is good. Oh, my God. And I'm saying His kids, it's either like they're going to be exactly like him or they're – I think you've said this, actually. They're going to be exactly like him or they're going to become like – drug addicts and ravers yeah, 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 exactly they're gonna go they're gonna go away to college and i wonder if he sort of is like i'm not necessarily sure i want my kid to go to college i might just prefer him to be an entrepreneur you know and so oh, i think yeah, i think they're either going to turn into these highly productive machines uh antonin scalia was like that there's this famous story where he made all of the the girls wore the same dress and the the boys to high school, like public high school, or not public high school, but a high school without uniforms, he made all of the boys in the family wear like khakis with blue polos tucked into them. Oh my God. And and but the thing is, Those one of them is children. secretary of labor. Another one is this like PR executive. One is a Catholic priest. Uh, you know, they're all super productive, really successful, impressive people. And there's a quote where they're like, dad, other people don't have to do this. And he's like, you're not other people. <laughs> i'm botching the story but so i think sheets is either gonna have it's gonna be the next emmanuel family you know where one is chief of staff to the president one is a really famous doctor another one's a hollywood agent but the the christian conservative right-wing prepper version of that right it's like one will (laughs) one will run a prepper company one will be a really successful field surgeon uh, you know, and like the other one will be a, a really rich televangelist or something, and Josh will just like be the, the grand patriarch who everyone loves and respects. Or He'll like be you, so proud, yeah. Or like you said, it's just going to be they go to college and they just do coke for four years and then sell insurance. You know, best case scenario, <laughs> like him, <laughs> minus the coke. 
So here's a little bit, a little window into his ideas about how to parent. But if you are yes. already in the bigger market, <laughs> let's say that you know you already have an income <laughs> yes. higher, etc. Make sure that you recognize how easily you could teach a 15 year old, a thoughtful, intelligent 15 year old, how to do what that man is doing. <laughs> so he's basically saying, like, if you come up with like, because before this they described that like. Steve has this friend who, like, taught himself how to repair refrigerators, and he has this little side business where he, like, buys them cheap and fixes them up and sells them, which is a totally reasonable thing. Like, lots of people do this kind of thing. Yeah, but Josh, like a fun is, he hears that. Yeah, he hears that, and he's like, you know what you need to do? Teach 15-year-olds how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine you walk into his garage, and it's like the kids are – he's like, well, my kids are done with study hours, so for the next three hours, it's fixing refrigerators. <laughs> They're yeah, they're making ammunition for me. <laughs> <laughs> he said that one thing he's worried about with one of his kids is that uh, the kid just wants to start businesses and has no interest in school. Mm-hmm. Um, which is That's, like, wait, what do you expect? Well, I mean, look at his <laughs> parent. Is. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, but anyway, and I guess, but the the I I actually so I am thumbs up on employing your children, but maybe not in the way that he says. I do think that's good to have a connection between labor and being paid, right? As soon as they're old yeah. enough. But um, yeah, I agree. I mean, you should teach your kids like basic microeconomics, and the best yeah. way to teach them is to like give them money, like make them work. It, it is a good idea, but it's like if it's if the first thing you think when you hear about someone's like cool side hustle is like I got to teach my kid how to do that is like, huh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And I, so I wanted to close with actually a positive one because, like I said at the beginning or in the previous episode, I really, I find Steve endearing and I really do think that he's earnest and he means well. And that, like, there are actually a lot of reasonable ideas mixed in with the, like, yes, you know, like yeah. build a super fun site at, at your house. So I wanted to just play one of them as to, like, kind of leave us with a positive impression of him. I used to tell people in the 1990s and early 2000s, they go, Steve, what's the best thing I can do for my child's education? I go, buy any book they want. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I'm trying to, I want to make like a crude joke about the the worst possible book a kid could buy, but I won't, you know? That's just, (laughs) I think that's really true. One of these things uh, that I don't like about the personal finance people is their obsession with the library. Because I think that there's some value to having permanence and to physically having a selection of books around the house. Oh, actually, Steve specifically shits on the library right <laughs> after he says that. He's like, he's like, yeah, you might say, Steve, there's always the library. But the library is not there at 2 a.m. like when you want to read like because you're awake in the middle of the night. Yeah, he's right. like, he's like, fuck the library, buy your kid the books they want. 100%. 100% agree with that. I got a degree that directly applies to my career. It taught me technical skills that I could use in my career. And that was great. But in hindsight, I wished I had gotten a history degree or an economics degree or a liberal arts degree or just something that would give me general knowledge. Because now, because I picked up the technical skills, I did a lot in the classroom, but mostly at internships and my first jobs, right? And right. And now, you know, I'm 28 years old and I'm spending, before we, we talked on the phone, I just spent all day reading a history book and it was fascinating. And I wish I had spent college doing that instead of, and I did some of that. I did it to some degree in college, but I wish I had spent more time in college doing that instead of learning the practical skills for my work. And uh, and I, I think one, one way to help get around that, and I, I read quite a bit as a kid, 
Dude, were you a were you a reader in high school or in and before that? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I remember sure. when I, I I took like a floral design class because I knew we wouldn't do shit because it had to be one of those <laughs> it had to be one of those you know you take a career style class and mine was event planning and floral design and it was you, you would do a worksheet. Oh my, those were the worst kids in the entire school that I that I met in all of high school. The kids who signed up for <laughs> floral design. You know, and it wasn't even it wasn't even like some dumb stereotype. Like, oh, I was the gay kid, or whatever. no, it was just like the the most like gangster kids who had no interest in learning. And then there was me, and I would just come in, and I would just sit in the, I would do my worksheet in ten minutes, and I would just read a book for an hour. And I had like two or three, my senior year, I think I had like two or three classes like that. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> I wish I wish college was more like that. So that's a. Uh, that's why I'm building my library now. So uh, at least, I don't know, maybe I can give it to someone someday. That, that is a nice positive note. Thumbs up for giving your kids whatever book they want. 100% thumbs up. Yeah, unless it's some shit they can't, they're too stupid to read. Then you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put that shit down. You gotta say, no, nah, you're, you're not ready for <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, help story. them out. Be like, maybe you, you pick that up in a couple years. Yeah, you go Captain Or like if it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no adult books don't give them those ones <laughs> yeah. they come back with one of those Fabio style romance novels it's like yeah. I was kind of hoping uh, you'd get a book like a history book or you know like some <laughs> narrative non-fiction maybe. <laughs> yeah. all right man well that's <coughs> I, I, that's all of our clips I'm glad we used all of them I, I thought at the beginning there'd be too many but honestly they're just there's so much gold in here yeah I would recommend we put the link in the show notes uh, go and listen to the whole episode uh, it is pretty hilarious and it's uh, just crazy yeah. yeah anyway marketliberationfront at gmail.com give us a subscribe or a rating ding 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 ooh, 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 ooh.